Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binge Town TV. We are here with a special edition, a morning podcast. Never in my life have I recorded a morning podcast. So I'm sitting here with my coffee and my brother. And we're ready to rock for episodes three and four of Mike Flanagan's new fucking awesome show, The Midnight Club. I am so obsessed with this show. This is the downfall of podcasting every two episodes when yep. a show like this drops. I'm dying to binge it, but for the podcast sake, we can't know what happens beyond the episodes we're podcasting on. So I am just ready to rock this out so I can watch episodes five and six immediately after this. But it's so good. Jimmy, what do you think? I'm loving it. I really am. And for me, I think there's a there's a chance that I won't be able to be on the podcast on Wednesday. So I might be able to binge four in a row so yep. that I can be ready for the one after that. So that, that's very good for me. Me and you, me and Kathleen, the, the brother and the sister, the, the slasher sibs are doing our yeah. tag team once again. <laughs> we haven't tagged team since Dexter New Blood. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of fun with that one. So we're gonna have some fun with this one too. But yeah, we got a we got a couple couple siblings with tired eyes this morning, but let's let's knock it out. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're looking at us on YouTube, I'm I apologize. We are dead inside, but I did wear my best shirt. Yeah, you got a sweet shirt on. Haunting of Hill House. Come home now. It's good, it's good stuff. Got it on Etsy. Anyway. All right. So let's jump in. So episode three, The Wicked Heart. So now we're kind of realizing that the titles of the episodes are the names of the stories that mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. of the members of the Midnight Club um, tells us at the end of the episode. So we're starting with The Wicked Heart, which is Kevin's. And let mm-hmm. me tell you, I'm getting sketched out by Kevin more and Kev more. Kevbot, I know. Also, I know we'll get to it, but I got to give Jimmy props for recognizing that Riley or not Riley Mark is gay because as the as the gay person on the podcast, (laughs) I'm ashamed of my gaydar. What the fuck is going on? Your gaydar is always is always on point. I know. I just thought he was being a sweet boy. Yeah. I I mean, he is a sweet boy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does announce. Well, not announce, but he does let Spence know. Well, yeah. he lets us know because Spence obviously already knows. Yeah. And now I have more to say on why Spence might hate him mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. in general. OK, so we kick the episode off um, kind of how it ends. So Alonka is just coming off this like trippy, old timey transportation she's come back. Of course, Kevin's gaslighting her. Kevin's like, oh, right. wow, that's crazy. And she's like, Fuck you. Yeah, right. Like, nothing's worse than being called crazy when obviously something just happened to you. And I know they're taking meds and stuff. Um, but that's kind of the 
cool part of the setup is that they are taking meds. And obviously, if someone's like, I just transported to like the 1930s, you're going to yep. be like, OK, bro, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Kev's not doing great for himself here. He literally just got done apologizing for making fun of her slash, you know, saying, you know, your theory is crazy. You're, you know, he's just not doing great right now because literally right after the apology, he's going right to the next one saying, you sure? You sure? I mean, maybe this guy is is going to be sketchier than what we thought. Yeah, because time and time again throughout the next two episodes, he is immediately trying to get her off of the path, right? right. He doesn't want her to go down on the elevator. He's like, the li- in, even in the library, he seems a little sketchy until he starts helping. I don't know. To very, me- very similar to his character in his story where the girl that he's with keeps trying to go to her friend and he's, we know that he's the killer and he's very cool, calm and collective, but he's just trying to get her off the trail a lot. Oh, maybe she's fine. She's probably sleeping. Nah, we don't need to go there. Maybe she ran away. Oh, there's no evidence at all. This place is clean as hell. Like, you know, and, and the fact that Alonka's playing the other character, I like to assume it's who he's, thinking of in his head when he's telling the story may not be true, but that's my head canon that that's mm-hmm. what he's thinking of. So if that's the case and he's pulling from real life and he is actually guilty in the other ones. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, oh, yep. Heard that. <laughs> but anyway, Alonka is mad at him and she goes back to her room. Anya's asleep and she starts ripping through the JJ files and we get the hourglass some drawings of the Dewey Decimal System, which we now found out, which we should have fucking called. Well, here's the thing. We're going to fast forward a second. Shasta, right? Shasta. Okay. Shasta pretty much told her it was the Dewey Decimal System. And I I knew right then that that's what it was going to be. And I don't know if you called it the same exact way, but as soon as she (laughs) Shasta starts saying, you know, look up 630 dot blah, 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 or look up 600 dot blah, blah, blah. This is the the medicine, you know, the herbal medicine, this is the whatever functional medicine section. I was like, okay, it's going to be Dewey Decimal. And Mm. Alanka, being as smart as she is and having that obsessed in her head, I just felt like she was going to catch it right there. She catches it by the end of the episode. It's not a big deal. But I thought it was literally going to be like, oh, my gosh. And she was going to run right to the library. But we have a little bit of a break in between before she catches it. She's such a library head. You'd think Mm -hmm. that. I mean, they did bring it up like five times in the first episode. The Dewey Decimal System It's just like they took the library and they stuck it here. So we'll get to it. But I thought that was really cool. I was just like every inch of these show this these episodes. I was like, cool. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So then we move on to this dream she's having. And it's basically the hooded figures going down to the basement. They have. Uh, tattoos or at least drawings on their wrists of the hourglasses and um, they just have candles in the ribbon. So it's obviously like a long time ago. There aren't they're holding candles and they're wearing the hoods they eventually find in the basement. Do you think that the Midnight Club from the 60s is the Paragon or no? It's like Paragon was before and they found the stuff that the Paragon people were wearing and doing and like used it. Yeah, I think it's going to be that they found it and it's just kind of similar. I don't think there it could be almost like however you want to say when it's passed down and down and down and down, it gets less and less and less of the original purpose, whether it's, you know, super cold and then it gets passed down and down and down and down and eventually just turns into 
the Midnight Club kids telling stories. But the thing is here that we're we're seeing that the book. Well, it's the big reveal in, in the next episode. But the book was started by Julia, mm-hmm. and but we know that the cold stuff is from way before. So. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it seemed like they almost answered it for us. And I don't know if it's a red herring, but when they do see everything, they say, oh, it seems like that it was way old. And then the Midnight Club original people found this and said, oh, OK, yeah. let's use this. So but let's just say that the Midnight Club slogan or however, whatever you want to say, the way that they start the club is very coldish. Oh, yeah. Big time. Super, super coldish. Drink, drink. We already talked about this in the first episode. You know, say the lines, drink from the cup. Very, very coldish. Well, Anya didn't drink again. I know. I know. I I was trying really hard to see if she was talking. But when she when they show her, it's zoomed so far that she could be talking. But I can't tell. Uh, But she definitely didn't drink again. And they purposely zoom in on her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't notice in one and two. So and I was making sure I was paying attention for three and four. The time that we that we first noticed that she's not drinking, or at least when we said it on the podcast, was it the time that it was water? Because I do know that when it's wine, they yell at her because she has so many meds that she's on. So it could just be a simple explanation that she's just because she actually says when they first yelled at her, she's like, I don't care, man. I'll do whatever the hell I want. Remember, yeah. I feel like it was the tea that she didn't drink. Yeah, right. That's, it it could have been the tea or the or the water. I mean, they've drank a few times. And if it's the wine, maybe that's an explanation. But if we're catching it when it's not the wine, then all bets are off and she could be a sketch bag. So those are our two prospects of sketch bags, right? Anya and Kevin. I love when they get when they go downstairs in the beginning of four and everyone else is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Anya and Kevin stay. That's the best. Even if both of them are good. I love them that I love that. Those are our two prospects of being bad and they end up being the ones that stay. Speaking of Anya being sketchy, Alanka wakes up and is like, look at these symbols. What do you make of it? And she's like, fuck off as per usual. Yep. But her excuse is that it's family day. She doesn't have anyone to come. This is just like really helping my case that she's been there for way longer. And yeah, she, you right. know what I mean? Um, but I actually don't want her to be bad. And the end of this episode, at the end of four, four makes you four. think that she's not. But we'll get right. there. So I'll just rip through the family dynamics that we see at family day. So Natsuki and her mom uh, are talking about pictures. Obviously, her dad had passed away. It seems like he was in the army, maybe. Um, She's she's wanting pictures. That was really sweet and sad. So Sandra is praying with her parents, as per usual. We see a lot of religious stuff in the next few episodes. Um, Amesh's parents were deported, which is sad. So his aunt and and uncle are there. And he's like, do they know time's a factor? What the fuck? I hope they die. That's very sad. Yeah. I hope they dive a little more into that. I can't wait for Amesh's story. I think he's such a good character. He's so funny. And Mm -hmm. by the way, him and Natsuki are my ship of the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. They're the best. So, yeah. So then Spence's mom didn't come because she's ashamed of him or whatever because of the church. And we get a great Spence and Sandra scenes in the next episode. But his dad's there and his dad seems really nice. So it's a case of his dad supports him and his mom can't get over it seemingly Mm -hmm. because of her faith. Uh, which we'll get into. Kevin's mom is is an alcoholic who is just projecting everything on on the little brother, wanting kind right. of Kevin's legacy to be put on the little brother. And Kevin's sweet and is like, 
live your own life, dude. You do yep. not have to live my life. I I'm played out. Like, yeah, do you. And then and you, um, and you can tell from his story and from how he explains things throughout the episode that he probably was just, you know, this average guy, you know, good grades, not great. Pretty good in sports. Well, she made it. The mom made it seem like he was a track star. Now, I don't know. You're, any mom can make any son, exactly. daughter feel like they're a star. But you can tell that he doesn't think he deserves or he's sick of this. This being put on a pedestal. You know, he's he's in hospice. He's dying. And, and he doesn't need to feel like he has to, to fix the legacy of his dad, you know, ruining everything. Because she said, you know, his dad trashed the, the family name and he brought it back to life and now it's the the brothers and and you could tell that he lived a certain life that he wasn't happy with and he doesn't want it to be on his his brother exactly which is i mean i i assume that many grieving parents end up doing that because you're so you're so upset and grieving this one child that you projected onto this other child or you're so upset grieving this child that you kind of forget about this one and having mm-hmm. to love this one and and yeah, so that's sad. This show is so good. Again, Mike Flanagan is so good at making you forget that it's a horror show at first. Oh, yeah. When these characters, with the little screen time each of them have, because there's a lot of of characters, mm-hmm. he does so much with it. And I have such a spiel to go on when we get to Robert Longstreet and him. Oh yeah, it. oh my boy's back. I was like, <laughs> yep, when he yep. was on, he's the clean shaven. He's a he's the best. Um, yeah, but he's great. I, Alanka calls Catherine the sister, and that is just such an epic flop. I love yep, it. Yeah, such a fuck up. But I mean, it doesn't seem like Kevin had ever mentioned that he had a girlfriend to Alanka. Probably flirting, man. Probably because he has a crush on her. He doesn't want to yeah. say it, you know. Um, but she's mortified, which same. Yeah. And then <laughs> one last thing before Jimmy, I'll let you give your thoughts. Is um, Cherie or Sherry? I still haven't confirmed that doesn't have any family come again she's like the rich she's coming from the rich parents her mom is like in italy or something sent a bear right. and a fancy box of soaps which mark absolutely adores should have known he was gay right then and there <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but he he's so sweet to her and she is just really obviously this happens again and again there's bears everywhere there's boxes everywhere her yeah. parents or, or just mom sends sends gifts instead of actually showing up for her kid maybe that's why she's a compulsory liar and it's just can't help but yeah. lie. his reaction to her about the palm olive and he's like that's incredible and i don't believe a second of yeah <laughs> great delivery i love and she that. knows and she knows she got busted she's laughing but she's smart enough to come up with these lies so it's interesting mm-hmm. I believe her. It's like, yeah, I mean, so we random. know we know that she's not lying about her mom because we, we're pretty much getting confirmation that from the very start, we know that she has a lot of money. She she the nanny actually showed up in a very expensive car, you know, things like that. And I guess technically we don't know for sure that the mom's a movie star, but we know that she's rich enough that she's sending her things. And then, you know, Cherie does have the story of that the mom gets these soaps on set. I believe that part, at least. You know, I believe the part about the mom is true. But, yeah, she has a lot of other things that she lies about. And, you know, I like the QB1 busted her for it. On House of the Dragon, we do hot takes of the episode every episode. And my hot take is she's telling the truth about literally everything. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah, my own, but I don't know how they would go back and prove it. Right. right Maybe right. during her story or something. I don't know. I can't wait for her story. It's going to be elaborate. It's going to be mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. But she, any- yeah, she said she's working on it. She's never told a story. Did you notice anything special about the family visits that you wanted to dive into that I didn't maybe didn't notice? Um, not really. I just think it's a really great scene with Alanka and Anya where Alanka is saying, you know, you're the strongest person that I know. And that actually makes Anya finally get rid of her bitchiness for a second and look at her and go, oh, OK. And then she also says that we're your family. You can come down. Tim's very nice. There's a very big theme of this episode that we're family, you know, just like with the the Spence situation and with, you know, everybody. And like you said, QB1 talking to Sheree, you know, saying, you know, your mom's not here, but just remember, we're all family. You know, that's yeah. that's going to be a big deal going forward. And you can tell that they're all close knit and you can even tell the the strife between Spence and Sheree later or um, not Sheree, um, Sandra, Sandra later the way that they make up, you could tell it's like a brother and sister fighting back and forth. But yeah, I think that obviously Kevin's situation with the mom and the sister or the sister, the mom and the girlfriend and the brother is projected into his story. And we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, I think you nailed it otherwise for all the family stuff. I just remembered a few things I wanted to talk about. One, like a Twitter account tweeted out that we have to keep an eye out for Carla Gugino, Kate yeah. Siegel, and who's the third that we have to keep an eye out for? There was I three. It, I thought it was Raul Coley, or is it? I thought Raul Coley was like an actual character in this. I, I know that I was the one that found, that saw the tweet and tweeted at you, yeah. or I sent it to you. I now think. I'm like this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I told you I was I told you when Stan showed up as the devil and she was in the shadows. I was like, this is going to be Carla Gugino. This is going to be Hot Mama. Yeah. Hold on. Let me see real quick. I have the the text. I miss Hot Mama so much. Me too. I'm going to I'm starting Bly with Alex and I'm so excited. She is. uh, I'm so excited for her to see it. I haven't seen it in two years. Oh, no, no. It's it's Hamish Link Link later and Kate Siegel. So Carla Gugino, Hamish Linklater, and Kate Siegel. So anybody who doesn't remember, Hamish is from Midnight Mass, the 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 goat, the, the MVP of that entire show, yeah. mm-hmm. the you know the priest, and Kate Siegel is just the best. So if we we have to see them, but we're guessing that it's going to be in the stories that we see them. Yeah, yeah, I'm pumped. So moving forward. Again, Tim's concerned about Alanka because she's like doing this thing where she's hyper fixating on something and Anya calms Tim down, which is in it, which is a really good scene. Like earlier in the scene, Alanka says, I told my dad are the strongest person I know. Anya gets her back later. Love it. I knew they were going to be besties. Let's fucking go. So at the end of this all. Oh, this is the other thing I want to say. It's so bleak when the parents and the family leave. Like Mm -hmm. they're all just hanging. Apparently, Mike Flanagan tweeted that that house doesn't even exist. It's all CGI. Really? Yeah. Outside of the house, and it's yes. just an, it's a set for the inside. Wow. And because it's I've that that set is gorgeous. Like the outside, yeah. them sitting with the circular like entrance to the house. Oh my god, it's Chef's wow. kiss. I'm like love when they're hanging out there. It's so funny. Like when they send off Kevin for the prom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Such funny little like, but banter they had. I love. Yeah. That. Okay, so moving forward, R.I.P. the girl, our first real death Tristan, yeah. of the episode, Natsuki goes and finds Tristan. 
She's dead. I think they did a really good job of having someone on the edge of death when we start. Right. Because even though we didn't know Tristan, it shows that none of the crew is safe from this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It reminds you, I think Luke said something last last episode when Anya was puking and I asked, what do you think? And he's like, it's kind of a reminder. You might forget, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that these people are dying. Yeah. And so this is really sad. Um, I again, I just think it makes sense that they had someone on the outs from the jump. But she was sweet. And I, I wish we got a backstory on her, but she is trying. She was obviously a part of the Midnight Club because she, she was she's trying to she's trying to reach out and we'll get to why Spence is an idiot later. Yeah. Yeah. But, right. But yeah. So now it's not to key in the room with Dudley, right? With Robert Longstreet's character. I didn't right. catch his so- name. He's I don't know. And honestly, I, and I know I shouldn't have done this, but on IMDb, no. It, it was no, no, I didn't do it on purpose. It was one of those things where when the show was getting ready to start, I was looking to see who was going to star in it. And and I'm talking about when it was like first announced, not actually getting ready to start. And he was actually just written as janitor. OK, okay. so I don't even know if they gave him a name, to be honest. PSA to the people, if you're listening, don't IMDb the Flanover yeah, shows. Not, I got spoiled for Bly on who the narrator is. And I won't say it because go watch Bly if you haven't. It's awesome. But they sometimes IMDb just screws up and they write the character name. That's the that's the spoiler. Yep, <laughs> and exactly. That's devastating. So anyway, this guy fucking slaps. I'm hanging off his every word. He's doing a speech. He's doing a monologue just like Hill House, just like. Bye. He's in bye, right? Or is it Midnight Mass? Midnight, oh, Midnight Mass. Mass. Oh my god, this guy fucking slaps. He, his raspy man. voice. Come on. Everything he's, he says is just true. I don't know how to explain it other than that. I'm just like true. He's the janitor. He's probably only going to get that one scene, and we're talking about him. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely. how good he is. I mean, you know, he he's worth the, the the conversation is worth talking about because we we know the deal. You know, she's scared to come in the room. It's a death room. It, it basically reminds them that that that's going to be their room eventually. But his monologue is just so good that he's good. Literally, this might be his only scene, and he's going to be remembered. Oh, goat! Mm-hmm. Absolute goat. He's just talking about doing so much with so little. If that his is his only scene crushed it i love that people are so loyal to the to the flanagan universe that they're like come back come in for one scene you betcha oh yeah love it talk about loyalty i just saw that anya is her actress is going to be ruth cod i believe her name is she's going to be starring in midnight club or i'm sorry um she's going to be starring in midnight club she's going to be starring in the fall of house of usher yes love that I wish we got a release date of that. I hope it's not next October. I'll be 2023. So, yeah, it's I feel like Flanagan's just going to keep doing every October is his new scary horror show. I know. I know. Okay, question. So the next scene, we're back in Alonka's room and Kevin's kind of going over the family thing, which we already did. Who is drawing those pictures on the wall? Alonka? I I went with Alonka and it's weird. Yeah, I mean, she they're giving her so many very good traits. Yeah, right. You know, she's smart as hell. She she can um she can draw that well. She's yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's drawing what's on the tree. Yeah, later. that's the only thing that made me go, oh, was it supposed to be? I thought maybe it was Rachel, the roommate before, and they just left them up. 
Right. I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not positive on that one. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but the, the main thing here that I, I think is most important is that Alanka says she's always had this whisper in her head that's been pushing her along for everything in her life and kind of like her gut, but louder. And now in mm-hmm. this place, it's just out of control. And again, Kevin's like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, he's like, listen. You know, you're going a little crazy here. I hope you find your answer, but I don't know, man. I don't know if it's worth it. You know, he just keeps saying, and, and whatever he says, I can't remember exactly. I didn't write it down as he's walking out of the room. Basically, it's just like him saying again, like, I don't know if it's worth it. I hope you find what you're looking for. Like very <laughs> like sarcastic and very like, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not really a Kevin line if you're thinking he's the sweet Kevin. So mm-hmm. Kevbot. He's getting a couple checks this these two episodes for Sketchbag. He's the gaslight king of the century is what he is. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Next scene, we're kind of at the Midnight Club already. But right before this, Natsuki is walking by such a... If, if you blink, you'll miss it. I had to rewind because I blinked and missed what she... I wasn't looking in the doorway, which, like, what am I, a rookie? Yeah. And Tristan is sitting up on the bed... She notices her, goes into the room. It's all the sheets are normal. Everyone is hardcore no on this. And but we saw it. I mean, we're always wondering about unreliable narrators and stuff like that. So is what we're seeing, what Tristan saw, what? Yeah, exactly. So but I, I mean, I think confirmed after we get Spence later, it kind of reminded me of um, Hyman or Penny and be the Penny when they're just trying to be different what things show? and they have to in the magicians peaches and plums motherfucker. <laughs> um, but which we cover, go check our magicians coverage. But it reminded me of that where they're kind of like getting their bearings. And at first she could only just be like sitting there as it goes like this. And then before, and then later she could like talk. You know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> which I love, but yeah, they all don't know. What did you get out of this scene? Why Anya's like, I'm, if I'm coming back, I'm making it something tangible, something you could prove, something this and that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think first of all, it's like, who are you to say, Anya? Like, it might be hard as hell to break through, and the fact exactly. that you can sit on the bed that you just died in should be a good enough sign that you're trying. But she's basically trying to say, like, I'm not gonna do something so small. I'm gonna make it so freaking obvious that I'm back for you guys, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, like heaven exists or like whatever exists and the, the afterlife exists. And I want to make sure that you guys know that this is a sign. And yeah. I just think it's again, the way Anya is where she's just like, everything needs to be. She's skeptical, 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 <laughs> she's skeptical about everything. And yeah. she just wants an answer. And I, I feel like, you know, with her, she's very, you know, depressed. She's we obviously see later that she's doing the drugs and self-medicating, but she wants an answer and she's just got all in. You know, it has to be all in. And at least we, we think that for now. So I don't know. But everybody else, I think it was what was it? Sandra was like, oh, maybe. Yeah, mm, yeah. she was like. It's it's them coming down from heaven. It, they're setting you up perfectly for the next episode because Anya tees it up and it's like the world's like such a colorful fucking place. Why does everything have to be so black and white, basically? And then that comes in next episode big time with her and Spence's big um, fallout. But Anya wants it to be verifiable. 
Spence blows that next episode. We'll get there. Um, basically, Kevin's ghost. I don't know how much we have to dig into this. Right. Let's just maybe talk about the details. Everyone who's listening to this already saw it. What I will say is, how long is that wine going to last that they're drinking? Is it the same monitor that keeps stealing it? I, I, I mean, they're, they're again, they're they're kids and they're yeah. sick, so maybe they're really just having like a little teeny bit. Little except step. you know, Anya, our girl, she went to Mars in the next episode. And I, I mean, that's most that's mostly because she just keeps taking the drugs. But yeah, um, yeah, you know, they're all they don't ever seem like they're purposely like getting drunk. They just seem like they're just sipping and being like, oh, we're having some wine, we're cool because they're kids. You know, that's yeah. what you would expect from a 16 17 18 year olds <laughs> but yeah th- i mean this is really one of the one of the coolest i thought stories yeah, it's definitely. another reason i'm actually watching this and hearing kevbot give his story and i'm saying this guy is a sketch bag i mean you have to think about the fact that when you tell these stories you have to remember as kevin or as the narrator that these people who are your friends are knowing that these are this story is coming up in your own head. Yeah, right. You know, so like Anya's was a great story t- teaching you kind of like a lesson and the scary yeah. part, quote unquote, was the devil. And, you know, don't don't mess with the devil. You know, the the, the back and forth sign, sign on the dotted line. Read the read the little small print about what you're going to do with the devil. Yeah. You know, and then we have what was the other story here that we it was Natsuki and the and right, the, right, and the and the girl screaming, and that was yeah. very like satire, and it was <laughs> making fun of the, the jump scares, and it, it yeah. wasn't very intricate. This one was intricate about a, a kid who was secretly Dexter, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is really. straight up Dexter. The funny thing about it is there's a line where he says, you know, it's going to happen again, and it just reminded me of episode one, the pilot of Dexter, when he's like, tonight's the night. And it's going to keep happening again and again and again, you know, when he's saying he's just going to keep killing. And it's a very sketchy story. I mean, it's you know, it, it is it does tell you about Kevin. And if you think of it as a metaphor, it is exactly he how he feels with his family, where he just feels like he's probably average in school, you know, keep, kept to himself average for athletics, whether that's true or not. We don't know if the mom unreliable narrator, how good he actually was in track. But instead of just doing his best in school or, or a track just to make his mom feel good. He's killing people. Well, to make. what do you think is the mom connection with, is it just like the projecting on him? She, he thinks it's her. That's kind of sending the voices in his head. Mm-hmm. I love the scene of all of them with their heads bashed in screaming at him with no noise. Right. I love it. And the like tagline of this, which I love is hell is everybody knowing. Right. And I I just like I loved this. I was a little confused on like the comparison between his the mom who was mute and why he thought that she was the one sending the voices. I just think that it's a metaphor. I think that, you know, sending the voices and making him quote unquote kill is just like how the mom was the alcoholic who was like, your dad ruined our family. So I need you to be really good and to keep the, you know, make the family legacy back to really good or whatever. And instead of telling a normal story, he's telling a scary story. And that's why he's a sketch bag because I get it. It's a midnight club. So you're trying to tell a horror story, but you're also telling your friends that you're coming up with this story and you're a secret killer. And (laughs) it was a good story to watch because like you said, we're getting back to Flanagan horror where 
the silent screams, the the girl that he kills always in the background or, or watching him screaming with her head bashed in. But then it goes back to what we were saying earlier, where he's suave and he's trying to get through, you know, he's trying to make Alonka's character the one she's playing in the story, not go to her friend's house mm-hmm. and not think that this is a big deal when he it, it, it's it's literally Dexter like Dexter when he ever was getting caught or talking about, you know, anyone that he murdered or he was so nonchalant. He always kept his cool. He always tried to be like, nah, are you sure? Maybe maybe it's you know, maybe you should go check something else out. Like when yeah. Deb was getting close and he didn't want Deb to get close or something like that. And you know, he seemed it's fully Dexter. Like he seems on the outside, like a nice guy. You know, the friend is talking to him and he's listening. And she says, you're a great listener. They're getting ready to hang out. And for a second, when she says, I want to check on my friend, you could see that he's like, oh, shit. But then he's like, oh, you sure you want to? You know, she might be sick. You know, I mean, she might be sleeping. And then when they even walk in, he seems calm and collected. But the stupidest thing you could say is, oh, it looks clean here. Like, it's, yeah. you know, like it, there's no prints or anything. <laughs> the killer did a great job. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's all we really need to say. And the thing is, it's a shame we don't get an end of the story. We're going to, which is cool. It's going to be a part two for sure. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things is when you're in the middle, you're you're enveloped in the story and then it cuts to the Midnight Club being like mad about something or whatever. They're like, don't Sheila, don't fall for the charm. You love the freaking smiley face thing, man. Use a different symbol, bro. You used the smiley face in the blood last time. Exactly. I love it. Like she's thinking with her hoo-ha or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. But yeah, so to be continued, they're all bummed out. This seems like a very Kevin thing to do. And he says to hear the rest of the story, all you got to do is live a little longer, yep. which is cute. And, and he said it's, all, it's worked so far. Yep. Exactly. So later on, Alanka is talking about the hourglass and she's like kind of mad. He stole the hourglass and he's like, I thought it was Julia Jane's, not yours. Right. It's not your symbol. Brings them to the elevator eventually. And the way I was screaming, like so many different combinations, I'm like, hold it in for 20 seconds. Do this, do that. Like I was like, go to the bottom and then hit the hourglass. That's the one I thought it was. Yeah. Go to the basement first. Go to the morgue first, then hit the hourglass. Yeah. So this was sick. I was like, no, next, next, next night. Like I wasn't planning on watching four immediately after. And then once they got down, I was like, but again, Kev is like, no, don't, don't. Don't, 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 don't. And then when they get and down, there, it was like, weird. I don't know if it's supposed to play off like he was scared or what, but when she actually does it and it starts going down, he's like, we're not supposed to go down the next one. There's not supposed to be anything there. Like, it seems like he's panicking that it's that she's making it a thing that it's like he's getting caught that it exists. Mm-hmm. It wasn't totally. it, to me. It didn't seem like, oh, I'm scared. It seemed like he was panicking, like, oh, I'm getting caught. But yeah, so basically we go right into the next episode. I mean, it's Luke and the dumb waiter, you know, and Paul. It's, it's, it's a sad story that Paul's not here to talk about it with us. But I mean, it fully is the same exact thing, pretty much. She goes down. They're both like, holy shit, what is this? She's using a match. I mean, typical horror. Jesus, man. The match that, that so goes funny. out. The match that goes out, but the match that's letting her see around yeah. insane. Yeah. Can't and then, you know, and then she walks out by herself and boom, the, the elevator starts going up and she's stuck down there. And I, I honestly thought it was going to be a lot longer that she was going to be stuck down there. She sees the the lady again. Then the match goes out and I could have 
sworn that when the match went up, it was going to be right in her face. Yeah. Like, you know, typical horror, but uh-huh. Flanagan doesn't need to do that to us. So yeah. light goes back. She's not there. Here comes the elevator. Kev bots saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know why it went up. Me neither. Because you, it kind of proves, it kind of proves by later that you have to press the button because they were down there for a little bit and it never went back up. Very true. And we can get to this in a second, but it's also proven that you have to hit the button to go up and down and you can't bring it back down without the button being inside. So how do they get back up? Anya, (laughs) Anya, Kevbot and Alanka, when everyone else sandbags them and leaves, thing goes up. Oh yeah, what? You know, so how do you how do you send <laughs> it back good down? Call. That's a but really yeah. good call. I did not think that through. Yeah. So anyway, now they're both down there together, and they say, you know what, we got to get everyone involved here, which is cool. I like that they got the Midnight Club all involved. Me too. Me and too. they have flashlights. Thank gosh. Yeah, big time. I was so glad that they sent out the back bad signal to everyone and didn't keep it a secret. I really that one agree with you thought. She was going to be down there alone for half an episode. And two, I thought that they wouldn't have told them, but I'm glad they did. I love Amesh doing his video game thing. That's like yep. more Southeast West, right? They're oh, like, yeah. it's basically just instructions of a video game. And then it's like, what do you do next? You do this. Yep. And I yep. love him saying that because earlier in an episode, we didn't bring it up when he's talking about his thousand way- th- things to do before he dies. He brings up that's his like video game thing. And they say, if you hear North Southeast West, run away. Yeah, and, yep. and Natsuki's the first one to go north or whatever. So cute. Yeah. Are you yep. kidding me? Sweet little nerd. Yeah, because they're I trying to it. tell they're trying to tell him it's not the time, and she's like north, you know. Yeah. So yeah, they're looking around, and this is like a dream to horror people to them yeah. probably at first, even though they're scared of shit. You know, you're looking around, you're seeing a bed, you're seeing, you know, a million different things, yeah. and eventually we get to the book. And it's she's like, oh, my gosh, it's the Midnight Club book. And it's the original Midnight Club minutes, pretty much for each and for each meeting. And then, you know, of course, you find out that Julia Jane was the starter of the Midnight Club, at least that iteration of it with the book. And the minutes are the stories that they're telling. They're saying it looks like people live down here. And then they're saying, no, it looks like, yeah, maybe people live down here. But also this is where it looks like they met. Then they're saying. Um, you know, there's just so much stuff down here, and then Sandra, Sandra is Sandra. like, yeah, not, us, not, we got to go. <laughs> Sandra sees the the, the, the knife, and she sees the cloak, and she sees that it's the cult, and she is out. And you know, that's like, you know, they say tan is cold. She's very against it with her religion. She's like, we need to get the hell out of here. Yeah, and this is when we get to the point where she makes a decision to get out, and almost everybody except, like you said. Kev by Nanya say they're staying. Everyone else rolls out and leaves the elevator for them not to get out, apparently. But they look more into the book. That's when Alaka is saying, okay, it looks like it's their stories. And then they turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. And then we get the symbol with all the blood all over it. And then they're like, oh my gosh. Fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The blood is sketchy. Like, what? Yeah. Is, it's I mean, like it's a handprint. Yep. It's, it's, yeah, that's. I don't like that one bit, but I don't like again, that one bit. Those are the three that stayed down there. Jimmy, Cannon in my head, 
literally, how did they get back up? That's yep. a great call. That's fucking hilarious. I love that. <laughs> There's like this pretty little liars bit where, of course, that shows out of fucking control, but like maybe a cliffhanger of a season, all the moms get locked in the basement and then they never solve how they get out. Oh, and, really? like, and everyone was like, damn, those moms are still in the fucking basement. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but they show them later out, but it's like that's it's an e- it's an easy easy fix if you just say that there's a button down Someone there but whatever i'm not gonna worry about a flagon let me know if there's a if there's a button and we're yeah, good we'll ask him yeah we'll, we'll ask him, him. <laughs> uh, but so next scene everyone's so tired shook many things at group therapy they're grieving over tristan there's a lot of things happening and the only person who has maybe the energy to speak is that's how sandra puts it anyway is Sandra <laughs> right. and she's saying she's pushing peddling her faith, the church mass, something to kind of make everyone feel better. She's saying we shouldn't be turning to things that we shouldn't be. And Vince is like, fuck you in your church, bitch. Yeah. And I mean, I am full Spence, you know, oh, like yeah. I, but this does a really good job by the end when Sandra tells her story of making me be like, you know, sometimes I am so icked by religion. Like, how could I not be just so terribly icked by it in my brain? I'm just like the thought of it makes me go like, Ugh. but you can't just hate people for having faith. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of right. course not. But and I don't. But like in this scene, I am so on Spence's side where I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Like and you guys are in this like terrible place and like terrible place, meaning in your lives, you're sick. Right. And it's like to believe in a God when you're sick. It's like, what's the point of all this? And Spence is like, because of your God, I've been like, I'm an abomination. Like my family's disowning me. I'm disowned by the church. Like, how is that yeah, something? Like, that I was I, a church boy. Yeah. And, and of course it's just so fucked up. I mean, it's so sad for Spence, but it is something that Sandra turns to and it helps her, especially being sick and throughout her whole life. And, and that's something that like, is like a tale of oldest time tales oldest time, right? Like mm-hmm. religion, religion versus not, I guess. And right. Right. Uh, it's, a t- it's a tough line to tell. And, and um, I mean, midnight mass was just like a masterclass in that. So, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, f- what did you think? What, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I'm on Spence's side here too. And, but I also I also do think that by the end of the episode, you get a good idea of who Sandra is. And you know that she's not the however you want to say it, zealot, like the pushing yeah. it on you. She is trying to push it. But what she's trying to do is push it out of a good heart. And yeah. you know that she's actually the good type of religious person. And, you know, she does explain all of that by the end of the episode. And that's why Spence forgives her. So I, I do think that the back and forth was good. And eventually you can just be pretty much 50 50 on it when it comes to Sandra being yeah. the, the religious person, you know, not necessarily religion in general or or whatever it is, but, you know, or how the, the church treated him, just how she treats him. You could be fine with that. And it does do a really good job of explaining that. I also just want to say if, Stan's not a part of this, then how the hell does she not know what the hell is going on <laughs> in this freaking building? We find yeah. out from this episode that she does live on the premises and the store and the floor. She has her own floor pretty much because Ke- yeah. Kevbot says, don't hit her floor. Yeah. I don't want to show up at her house pretty much. I just don't know how they're not getting caught using the elevator a million times or being, you know, I, it just seems like at first I thought that when she's 
when Stan is saying a lot of tired eyes here, like I seem, it seems like you guys are exhausted. Like she was kind of being like, I know you guys did something last night. Like, you <laughs> know, like you're busted, but yeah. either way, Sandra was doing the whole in code, say, stay away from the cult stuff, get the hell out of this. And we see later when she talks to Alanka, whether she's mad at Alanka or not, she just doesn't agree. And she thinks, stop poking your, your nose and things you don't need to be. Exactly. You know, she's the good girl and she doesn't need to be dealing with that. And who is it that basically says, shut the hell up in the middle of it? Anya? Yeah. Yeah, it's always. Anya, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Sandra's being pretty, she's in code, but she's being pretty obvious that they're doing some sketchy shit in front yep. of Stanton. And Anya's like, whoa. And even Anya doing that made it even more obvious. But either way, you know, that basically starts the strife between Spence and Sandra for the episode. And then we get into the story that, you know, that that finishes their their back and forth and they reconcile. But we also have a couple of things in between that we got to talk about. All right. One thing. Do a little dance if you think Shasta is Julia Jean. (laughs) I mean, I... I, I (laughs) Here's the here's the problem with Shasta, man. It's like, how is she not a sketch bag? She is, but yeah, but at the same time, yeah, right, girl. I, she's so sweet. I, too. I don't know, where, you know, if she's not Julia or if she's not a descendant of of Julia or the cult, then I don't understand where they're going with her at this point. Yeah, but I think she definitely is. Yeah, I feel like that's where they have to be going. I thought it was cool shit that that. You know, she's like, you're on my property now, but she's really nice about it. And she says that there's video and there's, yeah. you know, she's got a video of the grounds. It was kind of nice to have that because I sometimes forget what time we're in because the house is so old and shitty almost like not shitty, but just like not updated that you it could be the 80s. It could be the 70s. I'm like, oh, they've got like easy monitors. It was nice when Amesh was talking about video games and stuff. Like Luke said, it's like remind you of like, or you maybe you said yeah. the time. Um, I but actually yeah. want to say, though, going back to Kevin's story when he was on like AOL, I didn't even yeah. know AOL existed in the early 90s. Like I thought AOL was like... Well, this is this is late 90s now. It was 1996 Sacramento or 1998 Sacramento. So now we'll, we may be in 2000. Oh, I thought we said it was 94 or something. Okay. Oh, shit. It was 94. You're right. Yeah, 94, but they're not living for six more years. I mean, he, you know, he's, this is. It was 94 when she was doing her salutatorian speech. And then, like, she had to go through all of that chemo and stuff. So maybe okay. it's 95, 96. I mean, you were at that point, six, you were six though. years old. Yeah. Were I mean, you playing I, video games at six? Yeah. No, video games is fine. I'm talking about AOL on the Messenger. Oh, what? fuck. Right. Yeah. Like, AOL on the Messenger, I remember when I was in, like, fifth no, grade they're like, on einstein well he but he does but they do the, the <laughs> okay. detective does say aol yeah too but yeah i mean it was basically like an old 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 version of aol instant messenger but it was einstein uh, it doesn't matter but i was just saying yeah. i i didn't realize it existed back then if it if it actually did okay so basically shasta aka julia jane <laughs> Did that dance? Uh, <laughs> Did that dance? It, they end up being on Shasta's land, which is interesting. I didn't think she didn't know she had um, gone across the line, the property line. But the trees had a moon, like a half a crescent moon and a GB. I racked my brain. Couldn't think of anything GB stands for right now. But she's so sweet. And she brought her all these like naturopathic wellness things because she owns a wellness um, company, good humor, wellness. And then she talks about the Dewey decimal system and tells her exactly where to go um, to get it. I love it when she calls her bright girl. I'm like, you're sweet. You're so sweet. Yeah. Now let's uh, let's just talk about our girl Shasta here. If she's not Julia Jane and if we know that her and Stanton don't 
fully get along because she said, don't tell Stan I'm on her land. How does she know? all? I guess, I guess there could be rumors and people could say like, Oh yeah, the best library in town and things like that. But it just seems like she knows more, more than she should. Yeah. About the inside of the house. I think it could be a million different things. It really could. Like it could be that she was a sibling of someone who like, it could be anything, but I think odds are she's Julia Jane or she was part of the cult somehow. I mean, the Julia Jane thing lines up. She was, it was 69 and now it's 30 years later. She, and she, if she was 18, then she could be 48 that I yeah. buy that. I mean, she's and probably actually, in real yeah. life, late thirties, early forties, probably in real life. I didn't Google it, but yeah. So I, I think that that it's gotta be one of those two things. She was either part of the cult, which would make her, a little too old, I feel like, or she was Julia Jane, but I kind of hope she's not Julia Jane because it seems kind of obvious. Yeah. And then there's the whole situation where, again, she knows the grounds very well. She knows part of her grounds. She's saying, OK, well, there's a mark over this corner and there's a mark over there. She's pretty much telling Alanka where there's similar marks on the trees. And she says, like, what do you make of it? And she does bring up Paragon and ask if she understands or knows what paragon is and yeah. she has such a better poker face than stanton did when stanton was asked she kind of was just like no nah, not really i don't know and you know and i was staring at that face i wanted to know i wanted to know if she was going to do anything as, as blatant as stanton did but she didn't and you know the wellness thing is pretty cool it shows that she does have a successful business i don't know they, she did say it's smaller so it's not necessarily saying it's like a huge business where she's like rich or anything but the fact that alanka knows her business and, you know, says, oh, I have these products, you know, it makes her more of a real world thing. It's not like she's actually like hidden in the woods. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I don't know what well, maybe I'm sure in five and six we'll get more. I want more like scenes with her. She's dope. Anyway. OK, moving forward, we send Kevin off to prom. This is where we get this great like front porch scene where Natsuki's like, I don't know why they call it necking out of all the areas invo involved. It doesn't even crack the top five and imagine's like <gasps> like he loses his breath and like stay yep. cool dude and she like, winks at him because she winks at him it. after she says it yeah and spence's yeah. like don't look into it bro don't look into it and we know a mess he's trying to lose that v card man yeah i know right um i did like the sweet scene between cherry and alonka where she's saying she misses her hair i just again the show is great um you, you cancer yeah. fucking sucks dude um, and then you have you know you have alonka putting the makeup on Kevin yeah. and another reminder that you know how sick they actually are you know he's yeah. saying I needed a blood transfusion I look like a skeleton you know I needed that just to be able to be out for the rest of the night you know please make me look normal with the makeup when he looks in the mirror he says I look like a skeleton I look but it's an improvement you know yeah, it's, just yeah. it's just to remind you that these kids are dying you know yeah so sad um, now we get the best scene we get Mark and Spence Spence doesn't want him to look at the one arm and then I think Mark kind of eases the tension a little bit by saying, like, even nice people can be wrong. When I when I came out to my parents, like they flipped out. Mom, mom was better than dad, but whatever. They came around. So he is confirmed gay. Props to Jimmy. I did not catch that. Ooh, but ooh, ooh, ooh. we do see so sad that the meds are no longer working on Spence. That's why he didn't want right. him to do the good vein arm. He has a sort of blister sore type deal popping up from the AIDS. And it's so sad. And they talk about, again, it's a good um, 
you can, you can tell the time it was because now we have much better drugs for it. Mm-hmm. But he's saying we're a year or two away from some real better cocktails that can t- take control of this stuff. And it's just so sad that he's that it's yeah, like a year or two Spencer's away. Saying, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then exactly. QB1 says, you know, I know people a lot worse than you that lasted a lot longer. So QB1 is such a good guy. And I, don't, yeah. I, I, I take it back. I don't want him to be a sketch bag. I, I said know. I said in the last episode, I'll let Kev Bob become the sketch bag. But, um, you know, I honestly thought for one second that we were going to get the answer to why Spence hates QB1 and it was going to be QB1 and like doing the, you know, the thing saying when I came out and then Spencer's going to be like, I'm not gay, dude. I got it from something else. Like, I'm not gay. Like yeah. trying to deny it. The fact that QB1 actually talked to him openly about it. That, that gave him the confidence or I don't know if necessarily the confidence, but like the feeling that he, the comfortability to say, okay, here's my arm. It's getting worse. Don't tell anybody at, at first, you know, or don't freak out. So QB one, just the man at this point. I know you said you have a, you have a theory now why Spence doesn't well, like him. It's just more like, I think what they said is true. He's young and handsome and not sick. And especially he's not sick and he's gay, you know, like I think it could just be the type of thing where he doesn't want to relate to this guy. He doesn't want to like kumbaya with Mark when he's the one who's sick and Mark is not. I think it's it's probably just something like that where he's like, we're not the same. I don't like fuck you type deal. But I mean, Mark is such a charmer that he's just like wearing him down. Yeah, yeah, you you you. Yeah, he he's wearing me down from the second I saw saw him. So, <laughs> um, okay, quickly. So now we get the Tristan scene again. I mean, I assume it's Tristan talking to him through the speaker, Spence, when he's walking by. She says, "Spence, wait," and he runs away. The whole point of the Midnight Club is to fucking make. Uh, she's not what an trying- idiot, and he didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell the Midnight Club. No, and and, and this is the thing here. We have Natsuki saying i saw tristan in that bed yeah then you have spence walk by and have the thing go off the speaker go off and say you know spence wait and he doesn't tell them that's a second sign from the same exact room where tristan died he's ridiculous for that and you know the fact that he goes and gets qb1 and then qb1 opens the door and there's no one in there it's just yeah, it was you locked know. and now it's not locked. It's like Spence, dude, you blew it. That That is the thing. He's not part of the Midnight Club. Mark can't know. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he's not part. He wasn't. He didn't ante up. The fuck? He, I, I do think it's a I don't want to say a plot hole, but I do think it's really ridiculous that there's no scene of Spence being like, whoa, I just heard someone say Spence wait out of yeah. the speaker. Someone talked to me and then the room was empty. You know, he's so pissed off right now at. Um, yeah, Sandra, he's in the middle of freaking he, out. Yeah, we might get that in episode five. I wouldn't put it past, but before we get to the midnight club, Alanka is puking. Um, Anya's housing morphine pills. I love the Lauren Michaels line again, letting you know, like, still, like, okay, we're we're late enough in in time that Lauren Michaels is at doing SNL still. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I love it. So now orphine. Kevin did not have a good time at prom, just like yeah, <laughs> orphan morphine. Just like everyone thought, Kev did not have a good time. Such a brave kid, man. He's such a brave kid. Brave kid. They made him prom king, just like they said. So sad. I mean, that sucks. Like, it's just like a pity case. And no one wants to be that. But 
I love Midnight Club making having so much fun with these stories, different genres. This is a black and white detective story, just like they've been saying. Sandra, don't be so black and white. Earlier in the episode, she says she loves detective show movies mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Love it. So we don't need to dig into the whole thing. This was just her way of explaining to, to Spence like she sees him. She like she explains at the end. She's like, I would never treat you that way. I'm so sorry that it's so shitty that people did treat you that way. I loved the story. I thought it was like really yeah. cool. And I was like super into it. And I thought the twists were good. How diving into the water and choking and like she was the one suffocating Ke- yeah. whoever Kevin was playing. I forget his name, but uh it was good. But stuff. you can also see that it's someone like Sandra Sandra being like I don't know, naive, maybe like, she, you know, while she's trying to tell a story because it's like, you don't really know the real world exactly, like how killing like a murder would actually go. So there was like plot hole, not yeah. plot holes in the story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even Spence says, you're not going to freaking do this right now, are you? When she puts the, you know, the kiss in the yeah. beginning and then kiss. they even like kind of make fun of her because she made the big thing. You know, I killed you because you gave me the herp. But they're saying yeah. it's like cold sore and you know i mean it's it's obviously this huge metaphor for you know spence Spence having aids but she uses herpes even though it's very true like herpes is forever and it's for life bro yeah but um to them like you know she's using like the naive the the innocent i'm just gonna use the cold sore version of it you gave me that damn cold sore so i killed you but yeah but pretty much the moral of the story is that she apologized to spence he kissed her on the forehead and we're good to go. You know, that, that's a brother and a sister making up. So I love this line that she says, on behalf of anyone who loves God, because you can't love God and hate love. I love that. And that should be like everybody who fucking is religious. It's like they preach all this stuff. And it's like you hate you, a lot of these ultra religious people have so much hate in their heart. It's like, how can you love God and hate love? I mean, that's religion for me. It's like... Uh, I joked yesterday, they said something about a church and I was like, they won't even let me in a church anymore. <laughs> like yeah, joking well. around because it's like, they don't really welcome me, you know, I, yeah. I, whatever. I don't, I don't need it, but this is a great line. And I think that like, if everyone in the world thought can't hate God and hate love, you can't love God and hate love at the same time. Like if everyone had that mindset, then the world would be a lot better place and safer mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And I just, yeah, yeah. But I honestly, yeah, I mean, I'm glad he, that little smooch on the forehead really did it for me. I'm, I'm yep. obsessed with that. But then we get this last like climactic thing. And I'm not going to lie. I did watch one minute of episode five just because. Really? It, yeah. Well, um, but but so, honestly, you know, so, you know, the answer. Do they tell well, not one minute, 10 seconds? So I don't is it really enough know. to know if, if Anya lives. She's. She's resuscitating. They're resuscitating. I don't know if she lives or not, but oh, they're I, in the middle of trying. We to wake up back. to Alanka. Sorry, okay. that's a spoiler for anyone who didn't watch five. But well, it doesn't matter because if you if you, if you know that's what they're going to do anyway, they're yeah. going to try to resuscitate her. So Anya's out of it. Spence leaves her in the elevator, which is crazy. She's like goofed the fuck out. She's just yeah. popping morphine pills like crazy. The shadow stands up out of the wheelchair. Crazy. So and- so really quick, though, let's let's yeah. we got to stop here because she somehow gets to Tristan's room and she hears the crackling out of the speaker, too. Yeah. Now, she's just like I said, she's in Mars. She went to Mars. She's all <laughs> yeah, screwed up, real. you know, so that doesn't matter. She definitely heard it. And it's probably canon that it was actually real but she's never going to think it's real because she was 
all drugged up. But whatever it is, she gets freaked out and she finally somehow gets to her room. Yeah. Now, this is like another great, great, great horror thing. We always forget, like you said in the beginning of this episode, that Flanagan stuff is horror. Mm. You know, Hill House was probably the most horror that he's done. But, so. um, you know, Bly, Midnight Mass, they all have aspects of horror that when, when it needs to. And we said it about Hill House. We said it about Bly. We said about Midnight Mass. Like, he's telling stories here. You know, it might be the horror genre, but he's telling stories. You know, he's yeah. a storyteller. And that's the best part about his shows. You know, I don't need these jump scares for no reason, you know. But the fact that she's sitting there and it's creepy as hell that that shadow stands up. And she's freaking out. And then, you know, the shadow looks like it's going to attack her. And it does come out. And she falls. And then... Alanka and Kevbot have made the revelation and found the book. So they're all excited and they're coming to tell Anya because Anya's the girl who stayed with them in the basement. Yeah. The lower, lower basement. And they run in there like, oh God, oh God. Now I was like, oh shit, is she dead? Yeah. She was knocked over. The whole yeah, chair I mean, was she's knocked laying over. There. She's laying there. And I really, Anya is such a good character. I really didn't think that she was going to be dead, dead. And now you're saying they're resuscitating her. And we don't really know the answer yet if that brings her back to life or not. Yeah. My thought is she's not dead, but it would be crazy if they walked in and she's dead, especially yeah, like being a main character like her, where we love her. You know, yeah. she's my favorite character. Definitely. I love Alanka. I love the sketchiness of Kev Bot because I just wanted to see what what his sketchiness is. I love QB One. I love them all. I, I really do like them all. Yeah. Um, but Anya is my favorite, and and killing Anya would be ballsy, for lack of a better term. And I don't know. I think she's alive. I do think she's alive. She probably. I, I don't know if it's like they're gonna say she OD'd because she took too much morphine, or if it's maybe that'll be their reasoning because they don't like like stanton or qb1 who are the doctors don't want to actually be like yeah there's a ghost that got her you know they'll just say she od'd or something yeah you know and and but hopefully she's alive yeah i'm so excited to watch five and six it's almost like i don't want to do um guesses i just want to go run and watch it yeah <laughs> right learn. yeah but i mean we did our theories in between it's like we're still between i think that kind of gets anya out of being bad this scene yeah. Yeah. I think Kevin's so sketchy. I think Shasta's sketchy. I think Stanton's sketchy. Um, everyone's sketchy. I think Mark is good. I think he's pure good. He might have a bad death, though. Just yeah. QB1's going to have a painful death if he's actually <laughs> this good. If he's yeah, actually this agreed. pure and good, he's going to have a problem. Agreed. The only but... thing is so far that we still haven't proven that any that anyone but the sick kids will see these, these images, these ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for now, we don't know that Stanton or QB1 would see anything because, again, the whole thing is these hospice kids, they're just playing it off for the most part because they're on meds. QB1 yeah. and Stanton aren't on meds, you know, so we would have to prove that, you know, that the, anyone besides the hospice kids are going to see the sick or are going to see the sick are going to see the ghost <laughs> before QB1 has a bad death. But yeah. I do agree. I think he's going to have a bad death. All right. I agree. So anything else before we end this? No, just thought they were two great episodes. I'm ready for ready for five and six. I, I wanted to hit next really bad. Yeah. I definitely want to hit next because I want to know if our girl Anya is going to stay alive. I think she's alive, Um, but it would be crazy if it would be a crazy decision. And I'm not saying it's bad at all. Yeah, if they make her dead. And if she's dead, that would be cool because 
again, she's just said, I'm going to freaking knock the door down. If yeah, I'm dead. That could, be very, that could be very interesting. Yeah, so. I'd be missing her banter, but yeah, we'll see. OK, all, all right. right. Well, that was the episode. We covered one and two last week. We've got three and four now, five and six coming as soon as possible. We're rushing through. Um, if you like what you heard, give Ben Sean TV a follow on Instagram and Twitter. We've got BenShawnTV.com with all of our different episodes and things. We've got over 250 episodes, all different shows. Hill House, Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, Midnight Club, and every other sci-fi fantasy show you can think of. We're covering House of the Dragon right now, if you're loving that as much as we are. We're covering Rick and Morty, and we're covering Vampire Academy, new show on Peacock. Man, we've got range. Don't we you think, James? We are busy right now. <laughs> so, yeah, go check us out. Um, it's spooky season. We love it. If you guys have theories, let us know. Tweet us. Email us, TV at gmail.com. We fucking love all different kinds of theories. Um, yeah, so we're Ben Shown TV. And thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.